Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. Episode 2, Embarrassment of Witches. There's a lot to be offended by by Donald Trump, and I think you, his use of the term witch hunt is, is very low on that list of priorities. The entire thing has been a witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's a witch hunt. That's all it is. The witch hunt, as I call it really disgraceful. I mean, thousands of people were executed on suspicion of witchcraft. One of the things that um, they emphasize is, is sort of a breakdown of how witch hunts happen. Three-step process um, that was sort of a person of opportunity. Uh, one of the examples was Joe McCarthy. There is a triggering event uh, one of the examples was the AIDS crisis, and then there is the scapegoating. So, uh, but the obvious thing to me was that, you know, Donald Trump is the person of opportunity. The triggering event is the global um, refugee crisis. Um, people that have been displaced by war, poverty, climate, um, and the scapegoating is the refugees and displaced people who are now fleeing and traveling, uh, doing everything they can to get to somewhere that's safe. And Donald Trump has personally instigated in this country, this is happening in Europe, Italy, UK, Germany, France, you know, all over the world um, at the same time. But in the United States, you know, Donald Trump, you know, he's putting the travel ban on, he is, cracking down in a, in a crazy way on, on immigration, both legal and illegal. So to me, if there's any sort of like current example of a witch hunt. We trace the call, it's coming from inside the house. You hear me? It's coming from inside the house. It is Donald Trump's against refugees. Oh! Witch hunt. Salem witch trials. The victims of the Salem witch trials were hanged or pressed to death without evidence. Uh, we've all just been to the Salem Witch Museum, um, sort of a uh, speak all evil field trip, team building exercise. Um, Dave, w w w maybe you could kind of take us through this uh, this trip. Uh, it was a, like were those wax figures? Yes, yes. It was I wax figures. Creepy. Wax. You know, they're really old, so it might be like old, yeah. like, they look kind of like candles, I guess. Yeah. Some were a little newer than others, it seemed like. Yeah, more like candles than they were like the, the wax museum you get on like the strip in mm -hmm. like Los Angeles or New York. They were kind of scary in like an old way. And uh, a voice came from the heavens and told us about witches. Witches as females are like a commercialized thing, it seems like. Seems like when it started, there were a lot of females, but uh, there was also males that were witches. Yeah, a witch is, is unisex. I didn't know that either. I thought that the warlock was the male witch. Mm. We assumed which is gender. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't. I knew nothing about the European uh, witch hunts at all. Um, but it was like Germany. You know, thousands of men um, were actually burned at the stake. But I think the, the biggest thing for me is, is I, I knew so much less than I thought I did about, about Salem. 
which is a shame since we live literally an hour and a half away. Um, and then what I never realized was that it was actually just a bunch of young girls who were bored and acting out uh, and wanted attention and basically blamed um, a slave who had been brought over by one of the priests, and she was the first witch that was named. Tichuba. Tichuba. That was her name, yeah. I feel like I knew a lot more about, like, the European witch hunts a little bit. Um, In one of my classes I took in college, that was, like, a big part of it. It was, like, feminism and film, and so the witch hunts were a big part of that. Um, So the European witches, how that whole thing started was that women were becoming midwives or they were midwives and then they were starting to try to become doctors the male doctors weren't really into that so they decided that they were witches and they needed to be taken care of Um, which is a little different from the Salem ones where that one was just you know girls kind of freaking out Mm. and being like oh you know what let's just ruin some lives real quick um but yeah, so that one was just like very different from and, the and Salem original. came way after, right? Because mm-hmm. these is like the 1500s were yeah. the European witch hunts, and Salem was like the 1690s. Yeah, it was like I think early <clears throat> 1700s before like the bicentennial or whatever it was. Yeah, I, I really was um, totally unaware of the scale of the European witch hunts. First of all, uh, and I was unaware um, of the um, the beginning of the Salem witch hunts which goes back to racism, not surprising now, but I wasn't aware of that piece. Um, One of the things that probably struck me the most out of the whole um, tour, which I I thought was pretty educational. Like Mm -hmm. I thought we were just going there for like Mm -hmm. a hokey jokey thing. No, this is very not gimmicky. No, it was like we learned a lot. Um, But the thing that really stuck with me uh, from the whole day was um, talking about the European witch hunts when uh, they talked about the printing press being a real catalyst uh, for the European witch hunts because with the advent of the printing press, you could just print up whatever nonsense you wanted and get it out there to all these people. And all I could think about was the internet and Facebook and Twitter. Um, So, you know, here we go, like, all over again. I I had learned, uh, not from our tour at the the Witch Museum, but I had learned uh, about the rye bread that... um, poor people would get uh, this rye bread that was old and fermented and I I read that it made you hallucinate so the poor people were hallucinating and then going to church for help and then just getting you know like you're a witch you're you're acting (laughs) crazy and I didn't I didn't believe this because leading up to this I thought that witches were only women if the poor men ate it, how come they didn't get crazy and what's going on? Why did they just single out the women? Then, then I found out that men could also be witches. I was like, well, this kind of reinforces that theory that uh, it was like a classism thing. Yeah, I mean, some of the men in Salem that were either jailed or killed for being witches were literally only pointed out as witches because they were actually trying to call out the town for the absolute bullshit insanity that was going on. You know, so they were just like, no, guys, like, what are you talking about? And then the rest of the town would be like, well, you must be a witch, too. The criteria for being a witch, it seemed to get 
less and less stringent as it went. It was like, yeah, spectral evidence. Like, yeah. they just looked like a witch. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. my, uh, my, the only other thing for me, really, that um, speaking of the, the various tests that you, you had to fail, like, if you were given the test, you were going to fail the test or die. I don't think I'm, um, you know, revealing any big secret there. But um, I am a little bit interested in the scratch test. There was something called the scratch test. Um, which involves like scratching the the person, and uh, it's it's a little convoluted. You, you, you can look it up easily enough, but um, I I would be depending on uh, who's administering the scratch test. I might be interested in taking it, so you can uh, hit me up at Trent at speakallevil dot com if you would like to give me the scratch test. <laughs> we we could talk. All I'm saying is it's negotiable. I definitely feel like there's like a mole birthmark test. That I definitely oh, yeah. fail. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I fail all of them. It almost seems like I would be like, well, I'll be a witch. Hi, um, I'm here at the mall and I found some children. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi. Um, I was wondering if I gave you some candy, if you would like to be on our podcast. Um, yeah. yeah. Why not? I okay. mean, candy. There you have it. Well, that's um, interesting, Dave, because it kind of leads right into the movie that we all went to um, on our little field trip. We went to see Gretel and Hansel. I don't know how, you know, I can't say I've spent a lot of time with the original fairy tale. um, But one of the themes of the movie is that it's a brother and sister and they've been sort of turned out by their mom. Their dad is dead. Their mom sort of turns them out into the woods and they happen uh, along this um, house with, you know, I guess, a witch. Um, A nice lady. A nice lady takes them in. (laughs) She has a lot of food. Um, And one of the themes is sort of uh, convincing Gretel to grow into her powers and leave Hansel behind. And that sort of, this is going to be her new life. Um, I actually liked the movie. I thought it was pretty cool. It wasn't really quite what I expected. Um, I don't think you guys weren't, quite as impressed as me kevin what did you think of gretel and hansel so uh, this director previously did <clears throat> the black coat's daughter which i'm a huge fan of um and he also did i am the pretty thing that lives in the house which is a netflix original like i said i was a huge fan of the black coat's daughter i think that's a great horror flick if you haven't seen that definitely check it out uh i am the pretty thing that lives in the house was a little more gretel and hansel for me it's real slow burn um i'd probably put gretel and hansel a little bit above it um, but both movies, I think we talked about, uh, Trent, Dave and Kat, uh, like the, the, uh, the narration is a little much or a little just kind of yeah. cheesy. It sort of like t- takes away. Um, both of those movies have that. And I, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm not a, I wasn't a huge fan of Gretel and Hansel. It looked great. Um, it sounded great. It just had a massive lull in the middle for me. And then they wrapped it up so quickly Mm -hmm. um, and then threw, like, just a voiceover over it, like, hey, okay, and guys, we're done. Well, after watching a bunch of the witch movies, I did appreciate how this movie was, like, an internal becoming a witch. There wasn't, like, an external male factor that was, like, uh, influencing her or... Uh, antagonist of any kind. It was just an internal like transformation. It's a great point to to a witch. Um, the empowering aspect, uh, the the feminist aspect of the whole witch thing. Although I'm still very unclear, even as an adult, 
if it's okay to take candy from strangers or if it's not okay. Because, I mean, there's Halloween that you're supposed to go around and get candy. Then there's these stories like this one where, like, the abundance, like, watch out for the abundance, people who want to give you too much. That's kind of the lesson. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the film did what it set out to do, you know, kind of just, like, retelling that story. But I feel like I've just heard that story so many times. But it was fine. Yeah. I, I would, I would, I would give a shout out to Sophia Lillis, the actress that played Gretel, who also played Beverly Marsh in the It movies mm-hmm. from oh, seventeen yeah. and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, she did great with what she was given. The but, witch did good too. The, yeah. Yes, the, the lady who played the witch. Yeah, and, and and I also need to point out too. I think the set designer was um, the same set designer from Heart Candy, so that's like two episodes in a row now that Heart Candy has somehow <laughs> come up. I, I, Dave, you mentioned the um, the theme of the abundance, the gifts of abundance, right. and taking candy from strangers. That was a big part of the movie. There was a whole sort of um, disagreement between um, Gretel and Hansel about uh, is it? Wait, it's Gretel. Wait, Gretel's a girl. Gretel's a girl. Okay, Gretel. One of her sort of philosophies of life is look out for generosity and people giving abundance because. It doesn't come without a price tag. There's always something. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of one of my philosophies as well. I'm, I'm always suspicious when somebody starts offering you all kinds of stuff. I'm sure people have had this experience, but it's always a little unnerving. Like, all right, you know, when is he, he keep giving me stuff? He keep offering me abundance, you know, mm-hmm. when, when is the catch coming? Yeah. What is the catch going to be? What am I, what am I getting into? And now you're going to think that I owe you, you know, what do I owe you now that you've done this for me? So I could relate to See, that. I, I'm more like Hansel. I'm just like, I don't care where it's coming from. Like she's, she hasn't gone to the market in two damn weeks. And she's got all these plums. Like, how are you so fresh? Yeah. Like, uh, like, I would care. I don't care. Like, you and I actually have been in that movie before. And we, more than once. And Dave is going, who cares, man? This is great. And I'm going, David. Some weird guy in a tie-dye shirt. Like, I'm a, I'm a Vietnam veteran. Come on to my apartment. Let's party. I'm not sure. I know he seems generous, but. I'm just not sure how much we want to trust this guy. I just, I know it's good, but I think there's going to be a price tag on this later. Well, and before she even, like, before they get kicked out of their house, uh, Gretel's going to, you know, go live with some guy, basically. And he's like, well, yeah, you can live here, but wink, wink, like, weird stuff like Mm. that. And so I think that kind of cements, like, her view of it. But then Hansel is just, you know, he's like a young kid, and he's just like, oh, yeah, he's like, Plums, great, love it. But then, but then, uh, at some point, it flips, mm-hmm. and Hansel starts to become suspicious. And Gretel has already like drank the Kool Aid at that point, and she's realizing her powers. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, "Well, you told me that you know this all came with a price, and it wasn't right. And it was all very weird." And at that point, she's she's already sort of down the road. Mm-hmm. I think that visually. The, the trailer made me have too high expectations. I do think it was a good movie. I would, I have recommended it to people. Um, it's not as mind-blowing and epic as it might seem like mm. by watching the trailer. But still, as far as modern horror movie goes that you go to the movie theater to see, like very commercial horror, I think it's PG-13, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty creepy. It'd be good for like uh, teenagers. 
teenagers go see Gravity I actually think this conversation has made me appreciate it more than when we saw it. Uh, we all also um, watched uh, a number of other witch movies. Everybody picked a, uh, a witch-themed film to uh, get into. Kevin, you uh, wanted us to watch Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. which I'm sure probably all of us have seen before. I know I have. Um, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about why uh, you chose that one? It was the most obvious thing that popped into my head. Um, it's Rosemary's Baby. It's a masterpiece. Um, it's. I, I honestly don't even know if it's really a horror movie, to be honest. Like, it's, it's not violent. It's not graphic. Um, it definitely was, at the time, a horror movie. And the cool thing about it is it was. it must have been one of the early like horror dramas like we were talking about mm. like hereditary building that tension the whole time that's that's what i felt like it was like maybe this must be the first time like everyone's been watching like the creature from the black lagoon and dracula and mm. and all these really blatant uh horror movies yeah i guess for the 60s it would have been pretty you know you're messing with a, a pregnant lady um but uh, one of the things I love about the podcast or this podcast is going back and watching some of these movies. And then after all the conversations that we've had, um, you know, last week we were talking about, you know, Dave sort of brought up how horror pushes, you know, other other genres of film, um, be it technologically or with, you know, cinematography or audio. And one of the things I really noticed about Rosemary's Baby this time when I was watching it for probably the... I don't know. I've probably watched this movie as much as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, but the the audio, you know, there are entire stretches where Polanski has absolutely no music playing and it's just dialogue or even at times silence. But there's always something in the background. There's something like a clock ticking or an air conditioner or something in the background that it just totally messes with you. Like it pull it. It makes it a little more tense. Um, and I think that's uh, th- that's probably the greatest quality of Rosemary's Baby is it's literally two hours and 20 minutes of just pure tension. Kat, what did you think of Rosemary's Baby? I thought it, I liked it. Um, I don't think I'd ever seen it all the way through. I think I only watched it like on cable. So I never like sat down and actually watched it. Um, but I thought it was very long. It's like it's a very long movie. It sure is. <laughs> um, but I thought it's and also like... Uh, I do that thing where it's like hard to separate the artist from the right. shitty things that they do. Mm-hmm. I was um, thinking about how that was similar. Yeah. So that was kind of in the back of my mind when I was watching it. So it's like kind of picking apart things, being like, oh, that's problematic. But that's what happens in horror anyway. I thought Mia Farrow was. I thought I would be annoyed by her, but I wasn't like the whole time. I didn't understand why everyone was so upset with her haircut. Oh, yeah. I thought it looked nice. <laughs> I thought it was very Joan of Arc, actually. Yeah, and but they it, that was like a very big part of it. Like everyone was like commenting on the hair, and I was trying to figure out why. Um, but maybe because the '60s and like women don't have short hair, blah blah. blah. But they um, tell her not to read so many times. So many different yeah, people tell her not to read. That <laughs> fucking yeah. This just I was just listen. I <laughs> All ears. Um, everyone just kind of sucked. I really liked the old lady that lived next door. She was probably my favorite character, just like the voice itself mm. that she had. Um, but I thought it was a really great witch film. 
I didn't think it was like I didn't realize there was like a coven. I thought it was just like a cult, like creepy kind of situation. Um, so I, I remembered that. Satan, but I didn't necessarily remember. Uh, like I, it wasn't my first go-to for a witch movie. I'm really glad you picked it. Um, I was super freaked out by the same stuff you're talking about. Uh, so if you guys don't know, Rosemary's Baby, 1968, uh, Roman Polanski made it. Roman Polanski in 1978 fled the country because he was uh, accused of drug. Uh, he was was he found guilty or just accused? It's pretty much guilty if you flee the country. Yeah, I think so, he was accused, but then he left the country, so he couldn't. Right. So get tried. of drugging a 13 year old girl and raping her, um, and it was very terrible. But I thought it was interesting in this movie that the kind of uh, what we call him, like the grandmaster of the the witches, his name was Roman, and John Cassavetes the the lead actor, um, his last name is almost the last name of the the bad guys. His name was like Roman Cassavetes or something like mm-hmm. that. And I, I that just kind of freaked me out because I was like, well, Roman Polanski is in this, you know, like kind of like shady Hollywood, Harvey Weinstein, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, weird circles, Sharon Tate's murdered by Charlie Manson's cult. Uh, while Roman's away and there was just all kinds of weird things that I was like what's the real horror movie that's like behind the camera on this like Mm -hmm. what is Roman Polanski's life and and does he make art like this to make a commentary on on a young woman uh in peril because he's trying to like hide in plain sight Mm -hmm. um so that made it all more scary to me because I was like this some like weird expression going on here behind the camera i feel feel like what year did uh sharon tate die i don't know we can find out right around there 69 69. yeah so it came out right before basically yeah i wasn't really expecting to uh get into this realm um but i do have uh Come to no surprise to you, I do have a take. Um, Hot take. I I think that one of, honestly, one of the worst things that's happened to film is a part of internet culture where people decide if they like a movie upon the announcement of the movie being made because the characters that they've assigned to various people who might be involved in the movie have been deemed to be of ill repute for the, the the range of reasons is just, I mean, it's insane. So the movie hasn't even been made yet and people are reviewing it because so-and-so person, I just, I, it's too much to even get into here. But so when I watch a movie, I just watch the movie. I don't, you know, Roman, Roman Polanski can, you know, burn at the stake for all I care, probably a terrible person, but um, I just watch the movie for the movie and decide what I think about it. I didn't really like Rosemary's Baby very much. Uh, I thought it was pretty boring. I guess it's time. Like, it's 1968, but the acting style is like 1950. I didn't really believe anyone from the get go. And then there's really no suspense because she has this. question of what's real or not, you know, that we play with that much. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, it kind of just seems to drag along to me. Oh, uh, no. But it was fine. My, my, my main thing was that I was thinking through most of it, 1968 was Night of the Living Dead, which I think is the greatest classic horror movie of all time. I would end the classic era at 1968. And to compare, to me, you know, Night of the Living Dead is such a, a towering work of, of brilliance. To compare that, you know, with this thing about, like, gaslighting a, a pregnant lady for two and a half hours, like, nothing really happens. Um, yeah. I'm having all I can do to not reach over and turn your microphone off. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Uh, I thought it was a good commentary on, like, women's hysteria. I thought that was, like, a big part of it. That was the only it. good part yeah. to me. Is that, you know, at the end, she's like, finally, like, this, oh, I'm saved. Like, this is great. And then the doctor's like, nope, here's your husband. Oh, but mm. let me ask you this. Did you think for one second that Dr. Hill was not turning her in? I mean... I mean, I don't know. I always have hope. You I, know, I'm an optimist. Charles Grondin, I mean, like, you... you Trust him. It's like a young Charles Belver- Belvedere's dad. I mean. So you thought that maybe he was believing her, and he was about to call the cops on this coven. That well, I mean, I that know. to me, that's what makes it most scary. Is that moment where everywhere she turns, uh, that seems like everyone's in on it. Mm-hmm. And I always like movies that have that that theme. Um, even like like Hot Fuzz or something, where the whole city's <laughs> in on it. Like I like that stuff because. Uh, like when she was in the phone booth and they're just a dude just standing mm-hmm. outside there with gray hair, like this totally like, okay, boomer. Like that's the scariest <laughs> thing ever. It's like a bunch of old people with some old way of thinking that have somehow gathered together to overpower you. And I love that that old dude standing outside the phone booth, when she leaves the phone booth, he t- gets in the phone booth smoking a butt. <laughs> smoking a cigar. <laughs> it's like a tiny little phone booth. It's just a stogie. But I thought the claustrophobia of of the pregnancy reminded me of um, like Mother. I didn't realize that Mother was like the same movie as Rosemary's Baby. It's it's messed up to think too that, you know, he makes this movie about, you know, terrorizing this pregnant lady and it was only a year later that his pregnant wife is killed by Manson's family. Oh, right. That was his wife. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And she was like seven months pregnant. Yeah, so that's the other thing. I'm not trying to say I don't, I, I mean, I love the movie. I was just saying that weird stuff happened. If there was ever like a weird Hollywood like secret society, I mean Roman Polanski was somehow part of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Maybe I mean? there was a coven. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. you know that I part know. could be true. Yeah, and I'm and you know it's to each his own. Like if people can separate, you know, because I separated it enough to like watch it, but it's just always something in the back of my mind mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, well, this guy really was a shitbird. It's, it's, so, I think it's complicated. I mean, yeah. Woody Allen was probably my favorite American filmmaker for a long time. and Married to Mia Farrow. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. part of the coven. Mm-hmm. And now I, I really, you know, to go against what I just said, I, do, I, I can't really watch his movies. I, I think that it's complicated and there's no, it's very complicated. There's no easy answer. But yeah. when I'm watching a movie, I try to just watch the movie. And um, I didn't like Rosemary's Baby that much. It was fine. I, I did not like it. I, I liked it. It was fun. If any actual legit horror people are listening to this out there, I'm really sorry. But we generally uh, We're have very good uh, taste. applications for trench replacement. <laughs> 
As he's telling the story, I might just slowly like fade it out. Yeah, yeah. Just have him disappear in the background. We censored, talk about... He had censored already on this podcast, saying uncomfortable truths. Rosemary's Baby, not that great. <laughs> I think it's amazing. Dave, I... your pick, I liked your pick much better than Rosemary's Baby. You picked Witching and Bitching 2018. Yes. Alex De La Iglesia, um, Spanish uh, filmmaker. He did a movie. The first movie I saw by him was a movie called Last Circus. And it's super extreme everything. Um, it reminds me of like a Bollywood movie, which I'm actually like a huge Bollywood fan. Yeah. And they just, they're like, all right, we're going to make a horror movie, action movie, musical, drama, romance. Comedy. Comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's all in one movie. And I kind of like that about this Spanish film. It starts off very strange. It's in a, it's a bank robbery um, and then the bank robbers take off and they end up in the middle of nowhere because they're trying to elude the police. And they end up uh, in this town called like Zuggerbergabundi. Yeah, Zuggerad or something. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and it's uh, a damned village and uh, everyone's afraid of it. But they go in there anyway to hide from the cops and they find witches. I, I was blown away by Witching and Bitching. I really, honestly, I, I love, it's like my new favorite movie. And, and I had to give it two goes because the first time it was just, it's so bizarre and so fast. And the subtitles are oftentimes, the subtitles are in white and they're often against white. a light background. <laughs> right. So the first time, like it was late and I was like, ah, what is this, Dave? And I came in. So I had to go back and like, like you, te you texted us. I know. Cause <laughs> Trent, Trent texted us. I don't even know and what's happening. Out of context, he just said, what am I watching, Dave? And all of us knew that it was witching. And so I, I had to go back cause I'm a professional. And when I went back, yeah, I okay. absolutely loved, it. I thought it was just, it's so overloaded with, with brilliance. It's so overloaded with imagery and humor and terror. Um, I just, I thought, uh, Kevin, you got a lot to say. Go ahead. No, I'm just shaking my head at you. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you didn't just, like it, right? I have an open mind. I'm sorry. No, no, no it's not mind. that I didn't like it. It's, so you just trash Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, like, which is, witching and bitching is better than Rosemary's Baby. Oh. Yeah, okay. Um, it's too long. It's two hours, which for a horror comedy, come on. It's, it reminded me of, I kept trying to figure out what the hell would I rather be watching than this movie right now. And it's very similar to From Dust Till Dawn. Yes, I thought so too. Whenever you guys pick a movie, I try to pick the polar opposite so we have a variety. So mm. we don't have lots of movies about the same thing in the same genre. Mm. So with this one, I definitely went with what's the strangest witch movie I can think of. So it's, it's not bad. I'm going to go against Trent and say it's not the greatest movie that's ever happened, but you'll change your mind next week, so that's fine. Just live in your glow right now. It's it's a good watch. I I, I would not recommend watching it. I just think wow. it takes way it takes way too long to to deliver, and the ending is completely off the rails. So like Dave, if you're a Bollywood fan, you're gonna to totally dig that. But like for me. I don't know. I, I sort of wanted maybe maybe more of a linear storyline, and I, I don't want to give anything away because I'm sure there are plenty of people listening that have not seen this movie, and I I, I would say watch it, but you you just you have no idea what you're in for. Cat, what do you think? I have some feelings, but I love horror comedies. That's probably one of my favorite genres. Um, but 
it was just the whole time was just how about how like terrible women are no, and it was I, just I, don't, I, I disagree was. with that let me, okay let me start let at the opening credits let, let Kat go um, so just like all the opening credits are literally just pictures of like women politicians and like powerful women and so it's starting you off there being like oh are you saying all these women are witches which maybe they are great like welcome to the club then like just like the men talking about like just slowly every single guy's like yeah women suck and i'm just like well i thought it was a satire on mansplaining yeah i don't think the men came out looking like they were winning or even right it showed how wrong they were around every corner they were so i guess i just slapstick wrong i couldn't <laughs> figure out if it was satire or not that's where i was at it was like are they just is that what i just couldn't figure it out and so at the, i remember there was that one time when it was like the younger like the daughter witch or whatever and then like all her aunties are like yeah you gotta cheat on men and lie and steal and i'm like what the fuck is going on here I, I, the, did too. I definitely had that thought when I was watching it, too. But after a while, they just beat it so hard that it's yeah. like Hansel and, and Gretel, where it was I thought I thought it was empowering to the women because they were just making the men their bitch the whole time. <laughs> I, they had dunce caps on them at the end, like hanging from a crucifix. I did like that part. That was good. Um, I didn't like it enough to get into that part of it, I guess. Right. I just didn't, I don't know. I think think that's the interesting thing about it. I think that it can be um, viewed both ways. It, it, it certainly, (laughs) there are a lot of uh, misogynist elements to it um, throughout it, but that's sort of the question, like who is the joke on here? Ultimately Mm -hmm. I can see sort of both ways. I mean, there's no way around the, the, what the characters, the the male characters, there's really no way around the way that they're viewing women. Like, even the cops, I, I think that is the title, Witching and Bitching. It's a bunch of guys bitching about <laughs> about the witches that they, they, they view uh, in their lives. So even the cops that are in pursuit of the main characters, you know, in the chase, they're bitching to each other about, you know, their girlfriends, their exes, their whatever. Um, but in the end, they're all made to look like buffoons. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, what did you guys think of the um, the the witch queen? I don't even know what you the, would at call the end the, the giant the big titty. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh my <laughs> god, I love this movie so much. That is. All I just I pictured a bunch of people sitting in a room being like, all right, how are we gonna wrap this thing up? <laughs> and then one guy being like, wait, I got it. This, this There's a giant All of a sudden, it's the Stay Puff Marshmallow Spanish Witch. Yes. <laughs> it was incredible. I just thought I thought it was brilliant. Um, Kat, you um, uh, had us watch The Craft. Yes, I did. Uh, which I have uh, I haven't seen since the '90s. And mm-hmm. in the '90s, I remember um, I had uh, a copy of it in my apartment with some roommates, a bunch of dudes, and somehow a copy of The Craft ended up like on VHS, and so it was like one of the only things we had. And we would watch, we watched it a few times, and after a few times, I remember talking to my roommates specifically about this. We were like, uh, yeah, the craft is actually pretty good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not bad for like a chick flick. Yeah. So I was really excited to see how it held up after all these years. I hadn't seen it since, and I absolutely loved it. Um, why did you have us watch that? I've always loved that movie. And before we started the podcast, I actually rewatched it like a couple days before 
because um, it came on Netflix. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, The Craft. Um, growing up as like a weird, like goth teen, you know, that kind of spoke to me a little bit. Um, cause it's like that whole thing of, you know, we were talking about, you know, how it just ends up being like a revenge film, like against the popular kids and blah, blah, blah. But like, as like a sad little, like chubby goth, you know, girl, I was like, this is my calling. This is it. I'm going to dress like, I'm going to dress like I'm in the nineties. This is great. Um, but yeah, on the rewatch, I, st- I thought it was great. I still loved it. I was very into it. Kevin, before we uh, before we get to Dave, Kevin, <laughs> what did you think of the craft? So the craft, for me, um, it was one of those movies where literally every time I turned on the TV, it was on, and I would just watch it from whatever point it was at. Um, I am not like super hardcore. Um, you know, Dave has talked about this where I'll watch you know like Supernatural. And, uh, yes. you know, totally have a relationship with the Winchester brothers. And then mm-hmm. I'll go watch, like, a Serbian film. So the craft kind of falls. It, it's it's in my net. Um, I, I I love that movie. Um, it's I was a huge Nev Campbell fan. Um, love Party of Five. Love <laughs> Scream. Um, so, yeah. I mean, they're remaking it. I'm curious to see oh, uh, really? how, how Blumhouse does it. Oh. Um, there's rumors that it could be like a hard R, which oh, I would yeah. be really intrigued Me by. Me too. Um, but other than like the super, super 90s, uh, the original craft, it's so soaked in the 90s. Um, I dug it. Um, before, before Dave steps in here, <laughs> I, I loved it myself. And I just wanted to add to what Kat said about... Um, being and we've we've this is a theme in the show and all the movies the outsider but the thing about the craft is that it's sort of it's about what happens if the outsiders get all the power they really want mm-hmm. and how quickly they become worse than oh, yeah. the people that were bullying them mm-hmm. and oppressing them in the first place as soon as they can exact any sort of revenge yeah. on these people they go way further yeah. than those people ever would have gone. They're worse than their tormentors when, when they're given the opportunity to. They take it even yeah. further. So I thought that was interesting. Dave, what did you think of The Craft? Um, I did not like The Craft. <laughs> but I, I generally have a resentment toward the creative output of the 90s. I've been transparent about that. I... I uh, had some bad experiences in the 90s and, hate, you know, hated all artistic output. Um, I did like Radiohead. Other than that, everything else in the 90s. Um, I didn't see it originally back when it first came out. Never. Never. And so this is my first time seeing it. Mm. Um, in 2020, the ice storm of 2020 where we lost internet like three times. And so I had to watch it in like three pieces as well. Which does diminish my mm. being into the movie, but it's it's not really my kind of movie. But I did appreciate. Um, I definitely saw it as like a nostalgic film, mm-hmm. and I'm not like I love me some Mean Girls. I love me, uh, you know. Um, so this isn't I just the goth Mean Girls. No, well, it kind of is, but I mean that's that's what Heather's is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, there was too many like weird like oh yeah the. The ball of flame just blew into the apothecary for no reason. And, like, there was too many unexplained, like, little weird plot holes. And and it kind of jumped around too much for me. Um, 
I guess this particular time, and this will probably come up again, that I didn't like a lot of the uh, horror movies during this time. I felt like they relied on a lot of uh, pretty young things and a lot of special effects and not a whole lot of substance. And that's how I felt about the craft overall. I, I liked it better than Rosemary's Baby. Ooh. Yeah, you like everything better than Rosemary's Baby because <laughs> yeah, you're a fucking Contra. This week, this, I knew this was going to happen. I'm that's why we started this podcast. Because I'm just giving my opinion. Every time we used to go out to a movie, we'd try to go out and have a nice night. And we'd all go to a movie together. We'd all text and like, oh, we'd organize it. Finally, okay, we found a Wednesday night that works. And we'd all go and we would be like, that movie was a piece of shit. And of course, Trent comes out of the theater all zippity doo mm-hmm. Oh, oh, really, guys? I loved it. I thought it was or, or the opposite. Like, man, that movie was the bomb. And Trent, I, 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 I don't know, guys. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. know. Calls him like I see him. Devil's <laughs> advocate. I do. All the time. Contrarian. <laughs> I'm just calling him like I see him, guys. Um, so I picked the witch. Um, yes. Somebody would have picked it if I hadn't. Mm-hmm. I think everybody here loves that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a. The movie sucks. It's I realized that now. Uh, I don't know, guys. I realized that now I'm in danger of somebody <laughs> saying that they didn't like it. Let's not go tit for tat here. I loved. I loved your movie, Dave. I mean, let's not get into that. The Witch is my favorite witch movie of all time. Yeah, same. Easily, mm-hmm. same. It's so simple, but it's so good. It's it. It has only gotten better with every subsequent watch. And this time, like I said, I love the fact that we're doing this because I'm. Almost like watching these movies with you guys' voices in my head. <laughs> I know, you me know? too. I know. <laughs> like, I might like what one... would that dickhead Trent be saying <laughs> about this right now? So, um, but I, I thought that, that, that The Witch, hands down, best movie out of the batch. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite witch movie of all time. I, I guess I'd have to put some more thought into that. But it literally, from start to finish, is just perfect. Perfectly paced. So well acted, um, and Black Philip. Black Philip is what is he? A goat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Black Philip's a goat. He's a black evil goat, um, and I guess he was real life evil with huge horns, yes. giant horns. And he to, to me, uh, he represents the devil. Mm-hmm. Right? Is I that think he's supposed to that? be. Yeah, he, he is the yeah. devil in the movie. Where yeah. did the family get him though? Was he just there? Did they find him? Did they bring him? Unclear. Great question. Mm. Unclear. He wants to know if you would like to live deliciously. I would. Thank you. Black yes. Philip. That voice. And I want well, him to read me bedtime stories. Did you guys read the the article? Did I send the article yes. to you guys about like how he kind of stole the show? Mm-hmm. And he wasn't supposed to be such a centerpiece of the movie, but he kept acting out and he like put the guy in the hospital. He beat everyone up. And, yeah, it was like six days into shooting, the, 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 the actor that played the father... Black Phillip like broke a bunch of his ribs and he had to like do the rest of the shoot for like three weeks. So we're kind of assuming that other people have seen all these movies because we're horror fanatics. But The Witch is like a super authentic, like pilgrim ass, Puritan, Christian, you've been banished. That's how it works. And like the first time I saw it, I was so preoccupied with the authentic accents and the the speaking that I was like, well, I don't understand what they're saying. Like and I was worried about that the whole time. Like, I'm not going to know the plot because I don't understand what they're saying. But then it's less like a movie where they're like, we're entertaining you. 
and you're just watching something that's going on and you piece it together by what you know, you know, instead of seeming like a movie, it's more like you're a fly on the wall. And honestly, m- m- the words mean less than the facial expressions and like the, the body language of the, of the actors and actresses in this movie. And I think it, it takes place in New England. And do we know of like around what time? Is it like the 1400s? It's puritanical New England. Yeah. I can't yeah. get more specific 16. than that. Um, yeah. Yeah, they had just come over from England. So. Hence the accents. Yes, the but accents. I, um, but we talked about Hereditary. And this too is, is just a movie where you're just watching a family completely decay. You know, apart from the witch and, you know, the whole the, the witchcraft aspect of it, um, this this type of thing you felt like could have happened during that period uh, with or without witches. I mean, it was just a brutal case study on a struggling family. Yeah, um, I was stressed out the entire time. And that's how I know it's a good horror movie when I'm just like very tense and like, wait, what's going to, oh, what's going to, so that's why I like watching it on a second time through because my stress is gone because I know what's going to happen so I can kind of like delve into it. But yeah, it was just so tense. And then the ending was just so good. Like, Mm. it was just such a nice like, oh, yep, that she's a witch now, you know? It was just, in Black Phillip, it's my jam. I love him. Yeah, I, I had a similar experience. The second time through, I wasn't worried about the accents so much, which, again, same as you guys, the first time, I'm so worried about missing something. But when you go back and you watch it again, you don't have that stress level. Black Phillip, uh, I'm going to say a classic horror villain. And uh, the second time, the only other thing that uh, sort of stood out to me that I didn't really pick up on the first time is um, maybe a little bit of a political context where, you know, they never tell you why the family is banished mm. mm-hmm. that I know of. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever revealed or even really hinted at in the film. But I, I felt like there was I, a little bit it, it of... Was. Uh, was it? Yeah, it was uh, a prideful conceit. Okay, well, that's that's what, what I was... What does that mean? Well, the, the vibe that I got is that, like, literally that father felt like the church wasn't even, like, churchy enough for him. It was like the New Testament didn't adhere to some of the beliefs of the, the New Testament, and they charged him with prideful conceit, uh, basically thinking you're right and that we're wrong. There's yeah. a there's a metaphorical like Adam and Eve thing happening too, where banished, you know, like the crops were the Garden of Eden. The son dies and he chokes up an apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like a bunch right. of parallels between, right. or just like raising like I don't I know very little about the Bible, so obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I failed the Lord's prayer a few times, <laughs> but. Um, well, maybe more than more of a, not necessarily a political element, but maybe more of a social element. I felt like the father's arrogance and hubris in thinking that he didn't need the community. He didn't need the society. He didn't need any of these sort of connections and uh, to be tethered to any other people. He could just go out and they could just do their own thing and be on their own. The rugged individual this sort of libertarian sort of mindset. And, you know, his family obviously quickly crumbles under those conditions. So, All right, now it's time for this week's horror news. Just when you thought the news couldn't get worse, we are going to make sure it does. So this week we want to kind of tackle uh, remakes, reboots, 
um, and I guess what would be considered a continuation of a legendary franchise. But we'll start with the reboot. This news uh, just broke this week, and we found out that uh, the legendary Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie is going to get a reboot. Um, filmmakers Ryan and Andy Tohill will helm the new project. They previously did a movie called The Dig, which I personally have not seen. Trent, Dave, Cat, nope. any of you guys seen it? The guys no. who've seen every horror movie have not seen this horror movie. Yeah. I don't even know if it's a horror movie. I, I actually didn't even really it react on it too much. But... Um, so what is intriguing to me is that Fetty Alvarez, who was the filmmaker behind Don't Breathe and what I thought was an awesome uh, remake of Evil Dead, is producing. Uh, Dave, I know your thoughts on having a name as a producer rather than a director it's or, a say, a screenwriter. Um, but that does give me hope. That being said, I think we talked about last week the fact that um, for three of us in the room, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably the holy grail of horror movies um i will admit that the jessica beale remake that happened uh, i believe in the early 2000s i enjoyed that's my favorite of the remakes besides for the sequel which is not a remake it's a sequel that i thought they did a really good job with that the dude that is the the sheriff that plays the drill sergeant in a full metal jacket who's just always good at being a terrible person Arlie Ermey. Yeah, he's at his most terrible in that movie. And Well, this all comes as bad news to me. Uh, if I were president of horror movies, there would be no more reboots or remakes of any existing franchise. It is a studio gimmick. It's a title property. They own the title. If they do something remotely competent, it's just X amount of dollars we're going to make on this opening weekend. So shove this out there. We own the name. Why not use it? And they're always terrible. So my mind is open, but I don't expect much. Kat, I don't know if any of this news is shaking your foundation <laughs> at not all. Really. No. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm just along for the ride. I'm excited. Right. I don't know. Like some reboots are good. I I did enjoy the. Um, don't side eye me. I did enjoy the uh, Rob Zombie Halloween one, but I don't know. No, I like that too. That was we a good actually one. discussed that a little bit last week. I think off microphone but mm-hmm. um it, it, if it's done well you know right. i i appreciate it but but i guess tbd you well the know? thing we'll with the with a rob zombie halloween that i did like um in the segues into the second franchise that we're going to talk about was that michael myers was fast i have a problem with slow zombies mm-hmm. that's my problem with uh night of the living dead I have a problem with just slow serial killers. Like, he's not scary. He's very slow. Um, <laughs> he could just run away. Yeah, I know. Just, I'm going to run out the door, not up the stairs. <laughs> oh, my car doesn't start? Well, I can Better. skip to my loo away from this dude. You know? <laughs> uh, Halloween Kills is coming out. And the main thing I've read about Halloween Kills um, were some of the other Halloween sequels have been kind of hit or miss. But... He's fast. I guess he's like very fast. He's very brutal. And I guess it's very psychedelic. Like it's supposed to be like very trippy. There's like some uh, flashback sequences that are Mm. supposed to like really mess with you. And I guess they're done very well, Um, which those are tough. I've been, you know, I I didn't see Dr. Sleep, but I heard that they, they use some scenes from the original. They redid scenes. From The Shining. Uh, Some. Yeah. They did a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, that can 
really, really missed the mark for me, especially when you're talking about something, you know, so ingrained in my my brain as to how it looks and how it feels. Um, I know it's hard to recapture the, the same tone of a movie. My, my hope is that uh, Halloween kills these endless franchise reboots. <laughs> <laughs> Join us for future episodes that touch on feminism, classism, body shaming, bullying, politics, romance, abusive relationships, family, drug abuse, and the list just keeps on going. Yeah, she's fucked up.